You are listening to Moisture Festival Podcast. Welcome to the Moisture Festival podcast. This is really great because today we have Charlie Brown in studio. We recorded this on site at his uh, sprawling compound, Sisyphus Farms, outside <laughs> of Portland, Oregon. We talked to him about his career in comedy and juggling that spanned over 30 years, how he's incited riots in Morocco with his performing. Yes, and now how he's semi-retired, kicking it on a run of sprawling compound. It's a great conversation, but first a plug for the Moisture Festival. If you're new to this podcast and you don't know exactly what the Moisture Festival is, it's a four-week festival that celebrates variety arts in Seattle. It's the largest festival of its kind in the known and unknown world <laughs> and features some of the best known and unknown comedians <laughs> variety acts working today yeah it happens in the months of march and april not only do they have world-class variety acts the moisture festival also has world-class burlesque shows an entire week full of burlesque shows during the months of march and april i think it's a short week i think it's a five-day week Okay. <laughs> it's a workman's week. It's a work week. <laughs> a work week of burlesque shows. It spans over into the weekend. <laughs> so if you are listening to this during the festival, which again is March and April, be sure to get your tickets because 95% of those shows sell out. So get your tickets now by visiting the website moisturefestival.org. And if you like the podcast, you can check out Matt Baker and I on a podcast we host called the Odd and Offbeat Podcast. Yes, you can. And where we talk about weird and unusual news stories. So check that out. It's a little bit different, a little bit more spicy than this one. So check that out again. That's oddandoffbeat.com. But get ready for some weird and unusual stories from Charlie Brown. Charlie Brown! Welcome to the Moisture Festival podcast. We are recording on location today in, I don't even know where we are. Where we are, are basically in a, a city called Damascus. Damascus. Yes. Right outside of Portland. Yes. We share a Gresham zip code. Okay. <laughs> and the man you hear is the multi-talented performer. He's been on 60 Minutes, featured in the Sugar Baby Show with Rip Taylor and Carol Lawrence. He has been delighting audiences for over 30 years, someone I always go out of my way to watch. We are at <laughs> Charlie Brown's house. <laughs> Welcome, gentlemen. I'm so glad you came out. <laughs> no, it was awesome. It was a fun. We had a great drive down. It was. Uh... We got a tour of the, of the whole farm here. We saw the ducks, the blueberries. We saw your studio stage where you practice and do your own shows. Yeah. It's awesome. Yeah, so it's... let's real quick, what do you do? typically described as a comedy juggler that's basically my format and uh what i've done for for a good long while yeah it's been it's been fun and and it's it's been a good way to run around make people happy and see the world now do you have a specialty within juggling my specialties have been scarbox manipulation okay so so that's where you have the three they're 
are, they're not literal cigar boxes. They're... No, they're 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 <laughs> replicate cigar boxes. Yes, okay. that is true. So it's like three big Jenga blocks. Yes, yeah, I mean, exactly. Yeah, they look like cigar boxes. Okay. Essentially, that's how it was created originally. Correct? Exactly. Yeah. W. C. Fields pioneered this many moons ago, based off of uh, a concept of Chinese brick stacking. Ah. Yes. Yeah, so he did that. Um, and was uh, featured doing it in a film called The Good Old Fashioned Way, predominantly where he did three and up to ten stacking cigar boxes. He was considered at the time one of the world's greatest jugglers. So, oh, wow. Yeah, very inspirational guy in that way. I only know two people who are famous for cigar boxes, which is W.C. Fields mm-hmm. and yourself. <laughs> <laughs> now, was that w- early on in your career, was that particular prop, what stood out about it for you? Did you revolutionize this? Because now it's sort of popular. Well, I see you know, I don't know about revolutionizing anything. It was just something that, you know, if you have a, you know, if you have a knack for it and and you, you feel like pursuing it, then by all means, and that's yeah. what happened. Uh, there are amazing people out there that far exceed anything I do. Well, now. Uh, Chris Cre- well, no, Chris Cremo is actually oh, yeah. considered yeah. one of the best cigar boxes mm. of all time. And, and if you ever see what he does... Yeah, you know, it's like, I'm sorry, that's cheating. That's almost otherworldly. Even, even you, you're like, magnets, oh, no, 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 magnets. No, 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 no fair, no fair. No, um, amazing people out there, really amazing. Now, let's go in the Wayback Machine. Where where are you from originally? Originally, I grew up in the Bay Area, the San Francisco Bay Area. Um, Golden Gate Park was a place that I would frequent on my days off. There was a particular field there called Peacock Meadow. Mm. And Peacock Meadow was where all the the uh, aspiring jugglers and performers from down on Fisherman's Wharf, which was the Anchorage, the Cannery, Pier 39, uh, the streets in general, that's where all of the juggling performers would get together and play. And uh, I kept passing this place and seeing this cavalcade of things flying in the air constantly and just couldn't 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 resist find out what was going on. So So you weren't a juggler at that point. Not That's at how that you stumbled point. into juggling. I just stumbled into it. Wow. Yeah. And so one day you're like, okay, let me let me go rub elbows with these guys and see if I could do it. And yeah, you know, and there a... were some people in particular, Robert Nelson, uh, mm-hmm. the butterfly man, Ned Van Alstein, um, several others who who just Ned. showed me the ropes. Yeah, Ned. Ned. I know yeah. Ned. Oh yeah. Yeah, he's we a love Ned. guy. Yeah. Oh, right on. Yeah. Right on. You know, he's a great guy. Um, showed me the ropes and uh, working in a warehouse at the time. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, the draw to go out and do something besides work in a warehouse uh, was pretty strong. So when you're uh, when 20 year old Charlie Brown walks up to infamous street performer, the butterfly man who has a giant tattoo of a butterfly on his forehead. Mm-hmm. How does that conversation go? <laughs> well, funnily <laughs> enough, it worked the other way around. It was, was this young guy standing on the edge of the field and this guy walked up to me, uh-huh. you know, and said, come here, let me show you something. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. And it worked out really well, which is why I consider it such a beautiful community it was you know incredibly inclusive mm. yeah i imagine you got to see his show down on the wharf oh yes yeah. oh yeah legendary you know robert and i became very good friends and um and you know i was his roommate for a good <laughs> while uh and uh he eventually you know i uh, 
you know, we all uh, one year went on vacation to Hawaii together, and he eventually moved there. <laughs> um, so yeah, I went down and, and watched his show, and his show was was the epitome of something I loved about street performing, which was from nothing came magic. Yeah, and then from magic it went back to nothing. Mm -hmm. And Robert was just a connoisseur in the ability to create that magic. Yeah, yeah. So. Uh yeah, I love that joke where he has where he has a beret on and he's like, you ever gone, gotten so drunk at night and you just you went out and you made a huge mistake and he takes his hat off and he reveals his butterfly tag tattoo and he goes, I should have never bought this hat. <laughs> <laughs> I loved when he would say, these aren't tattoos, they're iron-ons. <laughs> Ah, so you so you grew up uh, sort of watching that, and when when was your first performance? How did like I how, what was that transition? <laughs> <laughs> One of my my first performances were at the Cable Car Turnaround. Oh yeah, ah, yeah, and I was so bad. <laughs> That's the time. People would get off the, no, the no, car. I, back I literally, the, you know, you had to do it between the comings and goings of the cable cars. Uh -huh. You know, that was the time when the crowd was there and there wasn't a big turnaround. And the cable car was coming and I said, oh, I'm sorry, folks. I'm going to have to stop my show. The cable car is coming. <laughs> Everyone started applauding. <laughs> That's the best thing we've heard all day. <laughs> so, you know, there you go. Yeah, because they're sort of held hostage there, right? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. They're not there. They're not there to actually watch your show. No, no, no. You're you're ambushing them in essence. You know. <laughs> well, it's like time. in New York when the the mariachi band gets on the subway car. Oh no! It's just, yeah. No, we 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 yeah. Lots of similar. no eye contact. Yeah. <laughs> And so yeah. those first shows were rough, and then I would imagine you started developing it and sort of yeah, honing you the know, craft in. you hone your skills, you know, on all levels, you know, things get easier. And then somebody told me something I found very succinct at the time, which was for the first 200 shows, you will feel like an idiot. Mm -hmm. It's just the way it is. Yeah. That's how it is, and you have to just do that. And lo and behold, that is absolutely true. Yeah, I don't necessarily think that goes away because I'm yeah. at, I'm in the thousands and I still no, feel like an idiot all the time. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. You know, but they stop throwing things at yeah, me, it's so true. that's a start. <laughs> Early on, you perform as yourself or as a character. Um, I didn't really know what a character was. Okay. So the idea was to just basically, yeah, be be yourself. I didn't actually really think about it. I was more focused on the props and the trick, you know, and there are several ways to go about character. One is to adopt an absolutely different one. And the other one is to overblow who you are. Yeah. So you know, that's more the direction I say okay. I, I went. But you have performed as a character. I have, you know, I mean, there are theatrical productions that, mm -hmm. you know, when you, when you are in them, yeah, you do what you have to do, and that yeah. is to be whoever that is that they they, I, they they say. Because at one point you were one of the Karamazov brothers, right? I was one of the Karamazov and, brothers for several years, and that was a character. That was, in essence, a blending. One might say because you're playing a role, but how you play the role can be determined by, you know, in essence, in my case, it was determined by me, even <laughs> though I had to uh, take on some other people's aspects. Mostly mm. I played myself. Okay. Yeah. I mean, do you prefer being pure overblown you or filtered you through a character? Uh, I prefer being pure overblown me, in okay. all honesty. <laughs> um, you know, uh, uh, it, it's, it's, it's good to be able to stretch. 
yeah. you know, and to try to, to push your boundaries. Um, uh, but, you know, it's what I know, mm-hmm. you know, and that would be me. Okay. Now, when you joined, like, the Karamazov, was that the, was that the first time you worked in an ensemble? Your whole career? Oh, no, I've had work? other partnerships okay. in the past uh-huh. yeah, uh, that I have worked, but uh, mostly I've been a solo. Yeah. Now, when you did Sugar Babies, yeah. were you playing a character in that, or was it just you sort of... No, I know, that was me being, uh, you know, there was a call for, there was a name for that. It was the Seven Minute Man. Yeah. And I would come out, and essentially what I was is I just did my act. Uh-huh. And I did my act as me, and that's what they hired me for. Uh, they were, uh, I came at the very end of the show, and the reason for my existence in that show was because they were changing the entire set backstage behind the curtains. Oh, gotcha. And getting the entire set on, uh-huh. and everybody on for the finale scene. So I was called the glorified scene change destruction <laughs> unit. Other jugglers have done that role also, like uh, Michael oh, Frank, Davis, Frank, Frank Olivier. Olivier was Davis. it the same same role that you played? Basically, yeah. Okay. It was the same thing. You were just doing your act gotcha. at the end of the show. How yeah. cool is that? And how did that come about? Uh, you know, there was an audition. I heard about the audition. I went in for the audition. I did not get picked by the audition. (laughs) (laughs) They picked someone else. (laughs) Apparently that someone else, names will not be mentioned, did not work out. (laughs) I got called several weeks later and said, (laughs) hey, what are you doing? (laughs) I said, why are you asking? <laughs> and, um, you know, and there it went from there. How yeah. was that? Was it a good experience? It was a fantastic experience. Yeah, I, I met, um, you know, the thing that was really amazing, uh, besides being with an amazing cast, you know, in a, in a nationally renowned big stage totally. show. And all the glittering fun and lights that come with that. And you get to stay in one place. You get yeah. to stay in one place. Oh, yeah, you no, nailed it. You get yeah. to stay in one place. And, uh, you know, because of the people in the cast, particularly Rip, you know, Rip Taylor and Carol Lawrence, mm-hmm. um, tons of their friends were coming I through. Bet, yeah. Like Anne Margaret, mm-hmm. John Candy, um, uh, Sammy Davis Jr. Oh, that's cool. That's a good you one. Know? Yeah. So you get to meet these amazing uh, people who made what you're doing actually happen. Yeah. yeah. You know, they're the, the the pioneers, the forefront. Yeah. And you get to meet these people, and it was it was fantastic. Now, you know? do you get and, a little and, nervous and, when you look out and you see Sammy Davis Jr. in the well, audience? Well, you can't. Yeah. He's you're, way in the back. <laughs> and, you're, and you're like, I'm on the left side of the stage. That's the side he can't yeah, see. That's yeah, the bad, <laughs> that's the bad eye. But also, you get to perform, you know, every night for 12, you know, 1,200 people, yeah. you know, which mm-hmm. was something that really, if you're going to, you know, cut your teeth, is a good way to yeah. do it, yeah. you know? As, a, you know, a traveling performer, which we all three are, like finding somewhere that you can perform every night and sleep in your own bed or have your family come and stay with you is oh, like, it's, no, it's, it's, it's the it's, best it's, thing it's, ever. You know, I mean, after eating in every waffle hut in the nation, <laughs> you know, you know, oh, yeah. you guys, you've oh, done yeah. it, you know? Yeah. It's true. It's really true. Um, now, was that the same sort of feeling that you did when you were in Bramson? Because I know you did some riverboat yes, stuff, exactly. so you got to stay That's in one a, place for a long period of time. How long well, were you there for? I was there, oh, you know, for several years, broken up into six to nine-week stretches, oh, yeah. you know, or more. There was a few longer runs. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and in those cases, you know, um, 
when you get to do that, one of the other things that's such a benefit is the friendships you make. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. you make friends with, you know, in one case I was on the showboat Branson Bell, mm-hmm. which is uh, three shows a day spread out over a 14-hour period or more, uh, six days a week, and it's almost like a war of attrition. You know? <laughs> and in these cases, you, you the people that you're doing this with uh, you make you bond very tightly. Yeah, you know, you make fast friendships. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, and to this day, and that was over twenty years ago, and yeah. I still have friends. That's from amazing. That time. Yeah. Oh, it's it's amazing. And it's wonderful. I was I would imagine Bramson back then was like a weird portrait of. <laughs> America. Oh, uh, it's, it's like, just the, it, it's changed from someone know. who comes from San Francisco going oh. to Bramson. <laughs> it was, was like, it where was, the hell am I? Yeah, it, it was it was an eye opener. It was <laughs> it was indeed. <laughs> um, and so I would imagine your show. I mean, I've never seen your show not go over well. Right? Is there ever an audience? Because you always crush every time I see you. It's amazing. Well, thank to you. Watch. Oh no, no, I have I. Branson, you know what? They didn't love me there. Uh-huh. There were situations where I was, no, it's like... Eh. There's like not enough wah, 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 wah. Or something, you know? And I mean, there is... <laughs> the Charlie Brown that's, reference? That's, yes, it was. Okay. <laughs> I mean, there was instances it was fine in certain venues and others it wasn't. Yeah, you know? of course. And, and it so really, it's like anywhere. It's like anywhere, yeah. you know? Yeah, you know? But thank you. I appreciate no, it. No, I do. I mean, I love watching you. I mean, I've been, you know, I've been watching you almost my whole professional career you know, 20 years. And one of my favorite things about, I've, you do a bunch of different stuff. One of my favorite things that you do is actually two is your crowd build where you sit in a chair and you tell the audience, Hey, I'm just going to sit here and we're going to wait. I'm going to read this newspaper. And every time I flip the page, I want you to applaud. And then when I flip another page, applaud louder. <laughs> and so people essentially hear this cheering out, you know, on the pathway, wherever you are. And, they walk in and just see a dude reading a newspaper <laughs> and they're like, what the hell is going on? But that's the beauty of it. It's genius, right? Well, thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah. So it's, what is it called? Minimum output, maximum return. Yeah. 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 If you can go that way, I mean, people, I know people whose entire show philosophy is that. Yeah. Genius. I wish I could do that. I know. Yeah. They never break a sweat. I know, right? You know, and they yeah. get standing ovations. I mean, to me, that's genius. Yeah. You know? And then another one of my favorites is like, um, actually, you do it at the Moisture Festival often where it's, it's a silent character and you don't talk. You just come out and you're, you're sort of like a lovable giant, you know, it's like <laughs> the music's going and you do all these amazing like hat tricks or cigar box tricks or balancing tricks and you don't say anything. But the audience is just like they're enraptured with this sort of goofy well, big guy. Thank you. My wife has a term for it. He says she says you um you do not perform, you galoot. <laughs> I'm not even sure what that means exactly. <laughs> Isn't that your butt muscle? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's probably yeah, that's the origin. Right. I wouldn't be surprised. It's very accurate. It's <laughs> spot on. <laughs> and so what what brought you to Portland? I mean, you've been here for almost 25 years now? Or? Oh, about, yeah, going on that. It's um, just had been on the road for a very long time. Um you know, my wife and I looked at each other after being together for 12 years and, and figured out we had been apart from each other for more than half of that. Yeah. And that, you know, settling down permanently somewhere with our own homestead and our own, you know, way to gather it back in. Right. Is just was a 
was what needed to happen. And raising a kid, too. Yeah. 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 You know, so, Got to be around for that. Yeah, that really helps. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, and you said your own homestead. I mean, you have quite the homestead here, too. You have, you said, five acres of property. Almost five, yeah. You know, we got ducks. He's got marimba. Yeah. He's got a, a horse that you can ride for ten cents right here. Yeah, <laughs> a mechanical horse. You can help him weed the lawn. <laughs> and you have workshops here. You like Avner the eccentric came and did a workshop here. Mm-hmm. They got uh, three tents in the back. Yeah, I mean seventeen trailers. So you're, you're really building up something here where it's about community where performers can come and do workshops. People can come and eat and do potlucks and people come together and, you know, well, thank you. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's a lot of it, but it, there's another aspect and the aspect comes from a personal place from being in, you know, essentially like a shark and mm-hmm. constantly having to move to make a yeah. living as you guys well know, yeah. um, is a place that other performers doing the same thing for a time could come and do a workshop, do a show do whatever in a place where you didn't have to go to the Waffle Hut, yeah, in a place yeah, you yeah. could have a home-cooked meal, totally. in a place you could put your feet in the creek, in a place you could just kind of regather, restore, rest up, charge your batteries, make a little dosh, and then go back out on the road doing what you did, hopefully yeah. a little stronger. I yeah. mean, honestly, like when we walk, both Louie and I, when we walked in, we're like, oh, this is, I'd love to, yeah. I would love to have something like this. Yeah. It's amazing <laughs> what you've built. Now, yeah, I you forget how much work you got. Well, do, I know. You yeah. Know, but. Now, I wanted to hit you up about some stories that I, I you mentioned on your site, which is uh, something about an unexpected kung fu battle. Is there <laughs> something that? <laughs> oh, I forgot about that. Um <laughs> I was street performing in Victoria a long time ago mm. on the causeway, which I consider one of the most beautiful it's street no, yeah, performing it's places right. on earth. Yeah. Right, it's amazing. That's right As there you, on the wa- on the yeah. on the waterfront, yeah, right, there, yeah. right across from the Empress. Yeah, down you know in the harbor, and uh, and I used to, to to like to go perform there. You know, at the festival time, mm. uh, the fringe would come through there, and it was a great time. Uh, and yeah, I was just doing a show and this really drunk tourist you know from japan comes out of the audience and really tries in the middle of the show tries to stop to get a picture of me right (laughs) you know with me from his other drunk friend in the audience and i had no idea what he was trying to do right because he's trying to put his arm around me and he's trying but he's not stable yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and and so it all of a sudden just kind of uh, you know morphed into a kung fu battle <laughs> on stage and his friend came put the camera down and joined the oh, so it was two on one so it was two on one but it was all in slow motion <laughs> and tai chi battle it was basically a tai chi it was like yeah it was like something out of the karate kid on drugs it was really you funny. beat him with energy yes is that but, but at the end but they caught on that it was you know not a true fight uh, yeah, yeah, so yeah. we ended up Basically, just laughing so hard, we ended up rolling on the ground, <laughs> hugging each other, and, uh, and, and then they got like, their picture and went on their way. And, and people are like, "Do they do this every show?" They were in hysterics. <laughs> they thought it was just the funniest thing. People came by your next show and like, "I'm not putting a dollar in your hat because you did not have kung fu." I know, I know. <laughs> like we like, saw you last week. Where's your buddy? Exactly. <laughs> Where are your partners? The drunk kung fu guy. Where are your shills? <laughs> so that was fun. That's amazing. Now, what about the thing with the tutu and the chainsaw? Oh, that's 
<laughs> is that on there too? Oh my God, there's a bunch of them. Oh man, okay. My old partner Henrik and I would do a, a dance called the Dance of the Prunes, which we did in tutus. Okay. Um, you know, that was all comic, obviously. Why is it called the Dance of the Prunes? Because the piece is actually, I believe, called the Dance <laughs> okay. of the Prunes. Okay. It's, it's an actual <laughs> name. <laughs> and so why change it yeah. if it's working? And it includes things like, you know, chest bounces and fake heart attacks mm. and flying like Superman and shoulder stands, which is really funny if you're on tutus on stage yeah, in front yeah. of 5,000 people <laughs> and you're also naked, you know, which is fun. Yeah. Um, uh, at the end of the piece, he, he, he comes up and we, and we touch cheeks in a fake kiss and he strokes my cheek and in consternation and runs and grabs a chair and sits me down and then runs off stage and comes back with a can of shaving cream and empties half of the can onto my face and then he goes off stage and all you hear is the sound of a charge starting a chainsaw. Right? And he comes on and he shaves me with a chainsaw. Wow. That's is, amazing. It's funny. Yeah. <laughs> would you recommend that as a method of shaving? No, I would not to anyone <laughs> at all. Ever, ever, ever would I recommend that. That's a lot of trust. Yeah. It's it a lot of a trust. Lot of trust. <laughs> All right, I got another one here. Those riots in Morocco. Oh, no! <laughs> that was a very, very, very long time ago when um, we're, we had gone to the, uh, the European uh, Juggling Festival convention in uh, the south of Spain, just above Gibraltar. Oh, yeah. There's a castle called Castilla de la Frontera, which was the most beautiful place in the world. And the worst place for a festival, there was not six feet of flat ground, right? Uh. It's an ancient castle, right? So it's all cobblestone. The, the jugglers so, drop something, it rolls just, all the way down the hill. Oh, you know. Uh, <laughs> Everyone's rolling their ankle. Yeah, oh, it was just, but, but it was great. It was a great festival. Uh. And after that, um, a handful of us went to Morocco. We went across the Straits of Gibraltar yeah. and we went and, and toured around Morocco. And... <laughs> Um, s several of them were, were some young ladies who thought that it was fine to walk around a, a Muslim country in torn fishnet stockings uh, and, and, you know, glittery skirts yeah, and, yeah. you know, tank tops and things not, yeah. you know. Um, so we would always have very large crowds around us wherever we went, and it got to be somewhat cumbersome. Mm -hmm. um, so one evening, uh, my friends wanted to go someplace, uh, with this other person they had met. Uh, and, and I said, all right, we've been eating at this one cafe and, you know, and, and there's an evening time there and I'll, I'll do a show and distract everyone. <laughs> and you guys go off, okay, with this guy. Is while there a cable car around? <laughs> yeah. And so I started doing, I did a show, right? And I, I, I started with my hat and, you know, it's outdoors, you know. I mean, I mean just, you know, on the veranda mm. there. And um, I put down my hat. And I go on to do some other props because we all have props with us, mm. you know, from the festival. And at one point, uh, I noticed this guy has picked up my hat and he's walked around and he's he's passing my hat. Oh, wow. Yeah. And it's like, and I stop and I go, oh, no, no, that's not what I'm doing this one. I bring it back and put my hat back down, do a few more tricks. And then this other guy comes up and he's really drunk, which is not what happens in this yeah. culture mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. normally. And and he comes up to me and he's right in my face and he's like, what are you doing this for? You, you, you're doing this for the money? You're taking money from these people? I'm going, no, no, I'm not. And this other guy comes up out of the crowd and he grabs this guy and he goes, 
You do not talk to him that way. He's doing good things for us. He's being a good person to us. You do not do this, right? And the other guy's arguing back. A third guy comes up and he grabs me by the shoulders and he looks in my eyes and he says, you, you have done a good thing. (laughs) Wherever you go in my country, you will be welcome. You will be taken in. And I look over my shoulder, and these two guys, the other ones, are beating the snot out of each other, right? They're just totally going at it. And the guy grabs me again, and he goes, wherever you go, you will be accepted. You will be taken in. You will be loved in my country. And I look, I look behind me again. The bar is split up into two sides, and they're all going at it. They're just like, Shh, things are flying. People are swinging. It was a... The owner of the cafe comes out, grabs him, pushes the other guy away, grabs me by the shoulders, speaks fluent French to me, which I don't understand a (laughs) word of, right? But he says, essentially, as he's guiding me away and we're ducking things, right, he's going... Well, thanks for the show. It's been really fun, we'll but get, I think we'll you might want to move along now. So I've grabbed all my stuff in my arms, right? And I walk out of the cafe, and I'm in the street, and everything has stopped. And everybody has come out because they're looking for the guy who was doing the show. And they see me halfway down the street, and they go, there he is. And I go, ah! And I go running down the street. And they come running after me. <laughs> so I turn to right, I turn to left, I turn two rights and three more lefts, and I go into my hotel, and I climb to the top. You know, I'm up in my room, peeking out between the blinds, right? <laughs> and there are people, like, looking around the streets going, no, we wanted to see the show. We wanted to see more. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that was the end of the first one. <laughs> there was a second one. There was a second one. <laughs> How divisive you are in Morocco. <laughs> Who sorry, knew? Just, <laughs> now when when you come into Morocco, they'll say, do you have any fruits, vegetables, or is your name Charlie Brown? <laughs> We're not allowed. You're not allowed. <laughs> You're like, I was just trying to distract you from the ladies who weren't respecting your culture. <laughs> yes, that's that's all much I it. was trying to do. <laughs> I wasn't doing anything wrong, was I? <laughs> wow. So uh, you survived? I survived. Wow. Was that? Do you think that is the most... Uh, extreme response to your show that you've ever Oh, had. no, no, it okay. wasn't. <laughs> There's worse. There's worse. <laughs> like fights or like outside of that, like violence towards you? We were in uh, Marrakesh. Oh. <laughs> and we were all doing a show at that one mm-hmm. in the market, the souk of Marrakesh, yeah, yeah, the big yeah. marketplace, right? But Fantastic Marrakesh Marrakesh is like a little bit more Western, right? Like it's it has a little bit of, yeah, has a little, a little more exposure to. Yeah, but, but the market's insane. Yeah, you know, yeah. It's crazy. We decide again, oh, show, what a great idea. Yeah. And so we, we gather a crowd very quickly. <laughs> and uh, I have three machetes, right? And so I'm juggling machetes. But they, the, the concept of personal space at that time in that place, in that market, was a little different. So people kept getting closer and closer. Yeah. And it's like, oh, i got to stop and yeah. let's move people back. Mm. We'll try it again. All right, I start doing something closer, closer, closer. Stop, let's move people back. All right, somebody else comes on. Same thing. People are just getting way too close, right? Eventually, after about the fifth time of stopping and trying to move people back, this person in the front just stands up and goes, get back, get back. And he starts 
shoving people really, really hard. Uh, right? And the people in the back are getting knocked into by the people in front yeah. of them. And they start shoving back. And then they start shoving. And, and then everybody just, <laughs> just starts going at it. And we have this one very large, tall woman in our group who picked up all of her equipment at once, right? And just like a human wedge just rammed through the crowd with us behind her, right? <laughs> Except for Kevin Brooking, who stood in one spot right in the middle, and everybody else followed us. And he was left alone. And he's like, we did it. We forgot to pass the hat. <laughs> we forgot to pass the hat. What about the big closer? <laughs> <laughs> so we all had to go to this bar, which had it upstairs, because it's like basically there was a guard at the front uh -huh. door. And then we were okay. Jeez. It was just wow. nuts. Have you been to Morocco since then? Or not been to Morocco since then. <laughs> it was fantastic. It was just there was a couple of instances of things getting a little out of hand. Yeah. You know? That, so this, you've been doing this for what, over 30 years? Uh, around that, yeah. That's, wow. Yeah. And do you think outside of something like that where there's physical violence happening in the audience mm -hmm. uh, that of people watching you, is that the craziest thing that has happened at your show? This sort of uh, a riot? Thing? or No, you know, I'll tell you an instant. Then this is before I was actually performing that I thought was really... Um, I don't know what I would call it, but um, I was. We went to a Grateful Dead show, mm -hmm. right? And this is back in the days of the Santa Cruz juggling scene with mm -hmm. the Renegades just oh, yeah, getting their yeah. stuff together. Uh. And um, we all went to a Grateful Dead show, and we found a you know a bunch of us congregated on home plate, right? It was at the uh, Oakland Oakland Stadium, right? So it was massive, and the yeah. stands were packed, and because uh, it was Dylan and the Dead. Oh, nice! Right? It was nice. Bob Dylan and the Dead, and this is before the show, and so everybody has gotten together on home plate, and we're facing the the stands, right? But we're just showing, doing a show for people in the backstop, uh -huh. which are still several hundreds uh -huh. of people. And we're all doing this stuff while they're doing mic checks and sound checks on stage. And these several hundreds of people, you know, were having a good time watching yeah. what we're doing. And uh, so it rolled around that it was my turn, right? So I get up on home plate and I'm performing for these several hundred people and I'm doing cigar boxes. And to do this, you know, I'm not looking at the audience. I'm looking down at the boxes. Yeah. And, uh, and th for some reason, it was the, uh, a moment of timing when sound check is over on stage, whatever happening on stage is not drawing anyone's attention, right? And for some reason, all the stands needed something to look at. <laughs> and they looked at me. And I didn't know it because I'm looking at what I'm doing, yeah, yeah. right? And so I'm performing for several hundred people. And I'm not a performer, mm. you know, at that time, just learning. Yeah. And, uh, and... I, I stop what I'm doing and I look up at the audience and all of a sudden 40,000 people erupt at whatever it was that had just happened. And I looked up and went, ah, and I ran away and hid. I had to run away and hide. It scared the snot wow. out of me. That moment where you realize all these eyes are on you. Yeah, yeah and I, you didn't, but I didn't know it, yeah. you know, so that was fun. Well, I, at least it's not 
a riot. No, yes, but it the same effect on me. <laughs> so, all right. Well, uh, we want to thank you for uh, letting us in your home to interview you, man. We really appreciate it. Yeah. Where can people find you if they want to find out more information on Charlie Brown? Besides, well, you besides know, the compound here, it's only up to either <laughs> sign up, uh, become a friend of Sisyphus Farms on Facebook. Or look me up on Facebook. Yeah. I mean, basically, I'm I'm a happy, semi-retired guy out on the edge of a, a beautiful city with wonderful friends, raising a lovely family, inviting community into my part of the world here to uh, to do what you do, and uh, just love to see more of you. Absolutely. Awesome. Now, yeah. um, how many moisture festivals have you been at? Man. All of them? No, I have not been at all of them. I have missed a hand few of them, okay. but a, a handful of them. But I would say most of them. Yeah, so. well, it's always a treat to see you there, and it's always a treat to see you in person. Thank you so much for having us in your home. Yes. Yeah, awesome, buddy. Hey, folks, want to thank you so much for listening to today's podcast. Real quick, the Moisture Festival is dedicated to keeping the ticket prices to shows affordable, and they do that by relying on individual donations. You can donate financially or volunteer. To get more information, go to themoisturefestival.org and click on the Contribute button. You'll get all the deets there. Absolutely. And if you want to just follow the Moisture Festival, you can do that on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, or you can just go loiter outside of the Palladium <laughs> at Hales Ale. <laughs> That's a way that you can follow them. If you want to find out more information on Louie and I, we also do a podcast on our own called the Odd and Off Beat Podcast. That's where we talk about strange news stories of the day. You can hear us chat about all things weird. Absolutely. You can do that at oddandoffbeat.com or wherever you get your podcasts. If you want to find out about us individually, where we're performing at, you can find Louie at louiefox.com, and that's with two X's. And Matt's at comedystuntshow.com. That's spelt regularly. <laughs> <laughs> so we would like to thank you so much for listening, so much for your time, and we hope to see you at the Moisture Festival soon. Be well. Thank you for listening to Moisture Festival Podcast, and stay moist.